feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy with MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Yo, what's good everybody? Welcome to Unfair with Jay and Jimmy, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. Please make sure you check us out wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. And when you find us, while you're there, rate us and review us. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Meh. Just give us five anyway. Gift it. Alright, so on this week's episode of Unfair, we're going to dive into the retirement of the great Drew Brees and what's next for the Saints. The Patriots are spending. They're making it rain on them O's in free agency. A fun $7 challenge while we try to name the nicknames. Stole that one. Uh, A little conference, a little NCAA tournament talk. And is there trouble in the Clippers paradise? Make sure you hit us up on the unfair fan line, 430-901-1906, and leave us a message and let us know what you think about our takes, good, bad, or indifferent. You might end up on the show. I'm compiling all of them. They will be on the last show of this month. So hit us up, 430-901-1906, as well as check out the site. We've got merch. We'll talk about that now. Jam Master Business Minded Jay. What's going on? Jimmy, what it do? Bang. B. I'm here. Here. Back. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> Dak. <laughs> Blizzat. <laughs> no, 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 no. I am good. I'm excited. Today's a great day. We have so much going on in the NFL. So much going on in drama in the NBA. Yep. So much going on as the tournament happens this week. And this is the week we traditionally are in Vegas. Yes. We won't no. be having a Vegas show this year. Uh, everyone decided to opt out. Uh, understood. Uh, makes sense due to everything going on with that Rona and the panorama that we are in right now. Uh, but I feel as if in 2022, we'll all feel more comfortable with this Pandora being gone. And we can go ahead and dive right Pandora. in first things first into... <laughs> <laughs> Vegas for the NCAA tournament. So it is kind of weird to, for me to be off and not actually gone this mm-hmm. week. I, I'm, I've got, gotten so accustomed as last year's was canceled because of the start of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. then now uh, the continuation is we are a year in. It's really weird not jumping on an airplane Wednesday morning. It is, but you know, soon enough we'll be back. It's going to happen. They can't hold us down forever. Nope. Nope. Y-M-C-M-B with that. Let's jump into the most important topic of the day. Our boy in the NFC South has called it quits. It was officially announced on the 15th and 15-year anniversary of when he signed his contract with this team, the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees has officially retired with a very warming video from his children on Instagram as they talk about how their father is retiring from the game that he loves, but now will be able to take that love and shed it on them. Drew Brees, of course, was a star out in New Orleans, spent roughly 20 years in the NFL, started off with the Chargers, uh-huh. and for some odd reason, they drafted a quarterback right underneath them and let him go. <laughs> Nobody wanted to touch him in free agency that year. Ended up with the Saints, which was perfect timing because that was right around the time of Hurricane Katrina, uh-huh. and he became basically a not a savior, but a savior for New Orleans Saints football. Uh, most Saints fans have no clue about how bad the Saints were before the Drew Brees era, before the Aaron Brooks era, as we were seeing them to start to rise. But him and Sean Payton compiled an amazing career together. Drew Brees finished up 80,000 yards, as he is the all-time holder in yards, and second only to Tom Brady in touchdowns at 571, which Tom Brady keeps playing. He's not going to get that one. He's only a tenth of a point behind Deshaun Watson in career pass completion percentage at 67.7%, 
which tell you how great Deshaun Watson is. And he leads all quarterbacks with 7,142 passes completed in his career. He led his teams to a 172-114 record during his career. And he also won a Super Bowl in Super Bowl 44-4, the city of New Orleans. So there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Drew Brees and how great he was and how much we enjoyed him because NFC South, I saw a lot of him. And with that, as I wrap up my entire opening rant, Jimmy, it's time to talk about not only the greatness of Drew Brees, but what is next for the Saints. So let's begin with that. Jimmy, do you think that Drew Brees is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, easily. I mean, if we were to... I guess in terms of guarantee, like let's say you take all of the first ballot Hall of Famers in the history of the NFL's Hall of Fame, he would be in that first tier of just easy no-brainers. And to me, it's not because of the 80,000-plus passing yards. It's not because being number two in touchdowns. It's not because being number two for now in completion percentage and all the other records that he owns. It's because he is a shining example of someone who was never supposed to be what they became. Yeah, I see, And in that sense, his contemporary Tom Brady, who's still playing the GOAT, that's something that they share in common. And I think that that's a part of their relationship is Drew Brees, six foot nothing, 100 nothing. You were never supposed to do this. <laughs> Tom Brady, you're a six-round pick, number 199. You were never supposed to do this. And somehow they found a way to elevate themselves to become more than what anybody thought they could be, more than what anybody could be with those same types of measurements, with Drew Brees' size, with Tom Brady, the round in which he was taken. No sixth-round quarterback has ever done that. No fourth-round quarterback's probably ever done that. That's, that's impossible. So I think that when you combine that with the impressive stats, the all-time stats that he put up, it's, I mean, it's a complete no-brainer that he's a number one. He's a first-ballot Hall of Famer, and he will be in five years. I totally agree with you on that. Drew Brees has a special place in everybody's heart because of his story not only like you said coming into the nfl he was a second round draft pick which means you're supposed to be uh you're supposed to start you're expected to be the starter he was the first pick in the second round uh i remember that draft because i thought it was crazy that he actually ended up falling into the second round but the san diego Chargers at the time decided to take him and then a few years in after their shoulder injury they decided that you know what we're just gonna go and move on mm-hmm. this isn't common when a quarterback is drafted that high you don't see them get shunned that quickly and still to this day i hate the miami dolphins <laughs> medical staff i've talked about this before on the show if you're uh-huh. new to the show this is the reason why if the Miami Dolphins medical staff had went ahead and cleared that shoulder, which we obviously see is just fine, we wouldn't have Nick Saban back in Alabama and we down in Alabama, back in the SEC, and we wouldn't have the dynasty that is Alabama, and we would actually probably have a little bit more parity down in college football. But because the Miami Dolphins medical staff felt like that shoulder was not enough, we're here today. I don't completely agree with that. Here's the reason why. A big part of the reason why Drew Brees became what he was was because of the relationship he had with Sean Payton. And it's very rare. I can't think of any other quarterback-coach connection like they had, just complete trust, finishing each other's sentences, having Drew Brees right beside him when they create the game plan for that week, which is every quarterback's dream, is to be in that room with the coach, the one who's called the coach, offensive coordinator when they're creating the game plan. So I think that if he had gone to Miami – Drew Brees would not have been the Drew Brees that we know. I think he still would have been good. I think he probably still could have made the Hall of Fame. But I don't think that what he did in New Orleans he would have been able to do in Miami with a defensive coach like Nick Saban, which is not to say that he can't. I mean, he's coached some very good offensive teams, obviously in Alabama. But I think that there is still a strong possibility, especially given that Tom Brady during that time was still in New England, that ultimately – Nick Saban would have come back to college football anyway, maybe not Alabama, but he would have gone somewhere else and probably still dominated. So I can't say for 100% certainty that had he gone to Miami, had the medical staff not made the most horrible mistake of all their careers, that the same thing wouldn't have happened as far as Nick Saban coming back to college because Drew Brees would not have been first ballot Hall of Fame Drew Brees in Miami. That's my opinion. Well, I don't know about that we part. Well, I disagree on that one. I think that Drew Brees probably would have just because of his work ethic. And I think he would have done enough 
And if Nick Saban did not stick around, if he decided to go ahead and leave after two years or whatnot, around that time is when uh, Philip Fulmer was having issues at Tennessee, and there was a chance that we may have hired him because Alabama would have had a coach at the time. <laughs> so if there was that, my Tennessee Volunteers <laughs> would end up being the dynasty instead of being the laughing stock of the SEC. Uh-huh. So I'm going to hold on to that one, even though I know that yeah. it's a ridiculous thought notion. It is. But I do believe <laughs> I like that it. Drew Brees <laughs> – I think Drew Brees would have been 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 good underneath Nick Saban. I think that Nick Saban would have had that relationship uh, with his quarterback and brought in a offensive minded OC that would have been able to do that with him. Because remember, Saban and Belichick are similar in their mindsets when it comes to coaching. And Belichick does not touch the offense. That is all Josh McDaniels, mm. and he lets him and the quarterback figure things out. And that's kind of what one thing that made Brady so great is that him and McDaniels really built everything together. So. I think I think the opposite. So, but with that, now that Breeze is gone, the Saints have a big hole to fill. Sean Payton now has to make a decision. They decided to make a move because right now they're broke. They are way over the cap. Well, I think they were. They they're finding ways out of it. One of those ways is they decided to sign <laughs> Taysom Hill to a contract extension, a four year, a <clears throat> hundred and forty <laughs> million dollars, but. It is the best part of what NFL capology, salary cap, CBA stuff that you could ever encompass into one. It's like the greatest thing about it because it's all Monopoly money. The shit is fake. Ain't nothing there. Basically, his four-year extension is four years avoidable money. And this is the way that, that the Saints did it to where they could remove some cap off of their top. By doing that, in order to extend his signing bonus out at least five years, he needs to be on a five-year contract. So they add this four years on there. So his salary, his his signing bonus from this year is now extended over those five years and won't get hit but each year afterwards. And because of that, they can void this bad boy any year that they want to. Pay Taysom Hill nothing because the only guarantee he got was a signing bonus for this season. Uh-huh. So it's perfectly set up to where they can save money, and at the same time, they can evaluate Taysom Hill. If he is good, they can keep, keep him at $140 million. If he's not, let him go. So that now leaves them in another void because Jameis Winston hasn't been signed yet. So to ask you this question, Jimmy, now that they have Taysom Hill locked up for potentially a starting quarterback's money, if it actually comes to that, which it won't, they're going to avoid it next year, should they <laughs> sign Jameis Winston? And keep the and keep the quarterback competition going. I think they have to. I think on a short term deal, you have to sign Jameis Winston. And I don't. Obviously, they don't have the salary cap capital to be able to do that. And based on the fact that they, to me, did a lot to show that they didn't believe more in Jameis Winston than they did Taysom Hill last season. I don't see them offering a big-time contract, despite the fact that he led the league in passing yards two years ago. So in terms of what's available out there, and given the fact that Jameis Winston knows, at least has a year within their system, I would say that he is probably their best option. I mean, it's another thing if Russell Wilson, who had them on their wish list, were to actually become available by the Seattle Seahawks, or even potentially Deshaun Watson. Uh, what they would have to give up to get either one of those guys would have to be astronomical, like you said, given that they have really no no money. Not that necessarily the salary cap issue would affect that. But outside of that, I think that I feel like Jameis has, has earned that. But see, here's the problem. And I was thinking about this. And we talk about how just talking about the relationship between quarterback and coach. Sean Payton, along with his defensive staff, spent four to five years picking apart Jameis Winston, right? figuring out everything that he doesn't do right, everything that they don't like about him as a quarterback that they want to exploit. So to bring him in, not only to bring him in, because they knew he was going to be a backup all last season, but then to potentially have him as your starter after you know about all these things that he does wrong that people don't know about. I mean, we know about the 33 interceptions. We don't know about the intricacies of what he doesn't do well that they picked apart. It's kind of difficult to think that even if they did bring Jameis Winston in, they would ultimately keep him at that position all season long without moving to Taysom Hill. I really do think that they favor Taysom Hill a lot more. So, yes, this is the best spot for James, but I'm not sure that New Orleans feels that way. They feel good enough about him or really back him enough in order for him to be successful in this organization. I, I see. I, 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 I'm there with you. Jameis, they need to go and sign Jameis. It only makes sense to bring him in 
Look, I get everyone still continuously knocks this man for throwing thirty interceptions in one season, but there's a there's a very logical reason to why he threw the he threw that many interceptions in one mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. He threw the ball way too damn much. Mm-hmm. That's period point blank. But he also threw thirty touchdowns that season. Mm-hmm. Jameis can do enough with a quarterback with a coach. With a, I'm sorry, with a coach that can that can reel him in to be successful. That's what he's been missing his entire career. He hasn't had a true OC. That could focus on him. His best year was with Dirk Cutter when Dirk was his uh, OC at the time. Mm. But when they shifted him into head coach, it was too much going on. Right. At that point, Dirk was all over the place, and there's mm-hmm. no way for him to focus on what he really needed to focus on, which was Jameis. And they only hired him as head coach because it was in fear of losing him to be a head coach somewhere else, mm-hmm. which made no sense. To me, I got the logic, but but it still makes no sense to actually make that type of a move. So to me, the biggest portion thing about Jameis over Taysom Hill is that Jameis is really an NFL quarterback. He really is. He's shown that ability. He's shown the ability to do it. And as he has matured more, this is definitely the direction you want to go. Now, as you said, financially, the problem is, is can they pay the man? They're probably going to hit him with the hate. You should do a Cam Newton prove it deal. Mm-hmm. Like we, I mean, last year really don't count because of that Rona, and it was really tough on everybody. Let's bring you in. You can go in a competition with Taysom Hill. We know you're going to win it, mm-hmm. and we can give you the opportunity to really start as a full season at quarterback. You're in the system. You're actually get a real off season now. Mm-hmm. So adding a full year plus off season. This is the best opportunity for him. I wouldn't take a job somewhere else because you don't know what it's going to look like and no one's going to be able to offer you the right type of money to truly leave. I take the one-year deal at a good mark and go ahead and see if you can compete and take the job to Taysom Hill. Because mm-hmm. this is the best place to win. I don't think there's any place else you can go outside of Chicago, baby, and win immediately. Uh-huh. But Chicago, don't even know if they're going to have a receiver. Well, what, about, Allen what, about Washington? what about Washington? Ooh, they actually do have some weapons there. Yes, they, they, do. they do have some weapons on the offensive and side. And an emerging defense. That, yeah, that's potential. Which, I mean, the Saints have had both. I mean, we know that. That's why they've been so competitive, and they make the playoffs every year. But I think if he does decide to go back to New Orleans, one thing that will help him is if the culture of the passing game is a lot like it was with Drew Brees. Because right. Because we know that Drew Brees didn't have the biggest arm. We know that Jameis obviously has a stronger arm than Drew Brees ever did. But what made Drew Brees so surgical is because, in a sense, he cut off a third of the field. He didn't really look to go downtown unless it was just there, everybody could see it, and he had to make that throw. A lot of his was intermediate and underneath. And when Jameis was in Tampa Bay, especially under Bruce Arians, part of the problem, what made him so spectacular but hurt him at the same time, and Arians has said this, is that he loves the chunk play. He loves to air it out. So with Jameis, you combine that air-it-out culture of a pass game with his decision-making that isn't always the best, then 33 interceptions and 30 touchdowns is exactly what you get. So I think that in New Orleans, it would help to temper some of that just in virtue of the culture of their passing game and the types of routes that the receivers run. So it's like, I'm not saying he can't be successful in New Orleans. I think that if they have to bring him back, they will bring him back. But honestly, and you just brought it up, the Bears – and the Washington football team, I think that those two situations might be equally as attractive and they might offer him more money. That, and that's going to be the key thing is that they're going to offer him a lot more money in comparison to what everyone else. And so we have to kind of see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Mobile phone companies say they offer home Internet. But if their Internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone Internet, not home Internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. Well, of course, we do this every Monday, bringing in the good goods with Jimmy talking about the news. And now <laughs> Jimmy has the news. Someone's got me there. I'll sleep. Wait a minute. Uh, thank you, Wendy. All right, so, Jay, in a conference call last Thursday, new Houston Texans head coach David Culley reiterated that Deshaun Watson is our quarterback. He says that we are very committed to Deshaun as our quarterback. Uh, he's the only guy we got under contract right t- uh, at this time right now. He also goes on to say that as of right now, there is no contingency plan, that Deshaun Watson is a Houston Texan, and we are committed to him so the organization continues as they have before that he is going to be their quarterback and that they're not going to move him so the question is jay do they trade him before april's draft which is rapidly approaching 
No, I don't think they trade him this year. Actually, this is will be the year. This is a year that Deshaun Watson and one star player actually sits out. I think Deshaun Watson is going to go ahead and put a sign in his front yard. He's going to move back to Georgia and he's going to just chill up until they decide to trade him next season. Mm-hmm. He won't play this year and he won't be traded this year. He's gone next year because mm-hmm. they're going to try to convince him with Cully, which is the reason why they hired him. Yep. But it ain't going to work. What you think? So I think everybody loses. I think that there's a strong possibility that that might happen. I think that if they don't trade him by the draft, then you're exactly right. He's going to sit out this entire season because it will be stupid then for them to trade him, trade him after that when you could have gotten all this draft capital. Then you're going to have to wait another calendar year in order to be in that exact same position. And he'll, he'll still be highly sought after next season, so they won't lose much that way. But I mean, as far as the quarterback position goes right now, it's just it's going to be a terrible year for them. And this, on top of that, is going to make that even worse. Yep. All right, so it was announced today a two-fight mega deal between uh, star heavyweights Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. They plan to have one fight in June and July, and a rematch is already built into this contract in November or December. Basically how it works is a 50-50 split in the first fight, and then the winner gets the 60 of the 60-40, and they will already have the unified titles at that time. So is this deal between Joshua and Fury good or bad for Deontay Wilder? Oh, it's horrible for Wilder. I don't think Wilder's going to end up in the mix. Well, actually, let me pull that back. This might actually be a good thing for him because the winner of this fight will have both titles. They'll rematch again at the end of the year, and most likely the winner of this fight is going to win it a second time. And with that, that gives Wilder the opportunity to win two belts. So, actually, it may actually be a good thing for him. He may that This may be beneficial. Now he can work out in that 150-ton suit, and he can prepare himself <laughs> for the next fight. I like that idea. I do, I do. I like it as well. I think it gives him another year. We all agree when we saw this fight last February that even though he had probably the biggest punching power that we had seen since maybe Mike Tyson, that he didn't technically know some of the nuances of boxing, like things that you can go to whenever that power won't save you, and it didn't. Ultimately, you're going to meet somebody that is not going to save you again, so I think that this gives him an extra year to be able to become a better boxer, and he'll come back bigger and better than ever next year, especially if he has to fight Tyson Fury and he needs to put on weight. But either way, I think that there's a way to spin this into a positive for him, such as what you just said. So I think it's good for him. And I think that Fury and Joshua are popular enough to make these two fights interesting. You know, they make a lot of money, good on the pay-per-view. So I think everybody wins ultimately. Lastly, Dez Bryant, former Cowboys and Ravens wide receiver, says that he is a Hall of Famer, he told TMZ. Um, he said because of the touchdowns that he put up and the way that he did it. From 2011 to 2014, he scored 50 touchdowns, which is unbelievable. He stands right now with 75 receiving touchdowns, Jay, ranked 30, 36th all time. So saying that he is a Hall of Famer, is he delusional or is he rational? He is delusional. I mean, numbers-wise, you're right. I mean, he has a key career-wise 75 touchdowns. When he breaks 100, we can talk about Hall of Fame. I agree. Uh, it's hard to have 36th all time next to your receiving touchdowns, as impressive as that is in the pantheon of football and all the great wide receivers who have come before and after him. But 75 is not getting him in. I don't know exactly why he said this. Maybe this is a way of communicating that he still, you know, has still some football, got it. Still got to have some football left in him, and that he wants to sign with the team. I imagine he's not on the contract right now. With he is the not. Ravens who we played for last season. So he's out there. So maybe a team will take a chance on him. All right, is that it? It's news. And that was Jimmy with uh, the news. Thank you, Bob. Jesus Christ. 2014, that was seven years ago. Tw- seven years ago. So, you know, Terrell Owens. He was. He was a pro, uh, first team All-Pro that year. Uh-huh. And, I mean, he was a monster, but. Yeah. Terrell Owens might have a better chance of being signed to a team this year than Dez Bryant. As entertaining as that would be. Oh, no, right? Yeah. We have to try that. So. All right, so shifting back into NFL free agency, Jay, Jay, today was the first time or technically was the first day of teams being able to negotiate with players. Right. Even though somehow a month ago, J.J. Watt had already agreed to a deal with the Cardinals, but he was released. That may be totally different. Anyway, they can't assign uh, sign anything officially until Wednesday of this week. Which is the but, first day of the league year. Yeah, the first new day, yeah, the league year. But we've already seen a slew of signings. You have Joe Tooney from the Patriots being signed by the Chiefs. Um, You have a lot of players out there who have already been signed. Too many to enumerate. Unless we talk about the New England Patriots, Jay. Which is the one that we should be talking about. Who prior to free agency said that they were going to be, and I think Belichick said this, 
that they were going to be aggressive in free agency. Well, he was not lying, Jay, because amongst the signings that they have had, most of which are today, include re-signing uh, MVP quarterback Cam Newton, signing tight end Jonu Smith out of Tennessee, oh, four-year $50 it. million, signing linebacker and best pass rusher for the Baltimore, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, Matthew Judon, uh, cornerback Jalen Mills, good cornerback out of Philadelphia, I believe. Yep. Uh, wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, who had a career year last year as a member of the Las Vegas Raiders, and wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, Bourne of the San Francisco 49ers. So they have definitely lived up to the hype of being an aggressive team in free agency. So with all these signings, Jay, and with the players coming back who opted out last season because of COVID, do you see the Patriots reclaiming AFC East supremacy? See, that's a tough one because right now the, the Bills are are doing it. Yes, the Bills are doing it. The Dolphins are coming. Are, are coming, and it just they're a quarterback away from doing it. Uh-huh. And the only thing about Tua is he's young, but at the same time, he's in the middle of the chatter when it comes to trading for Deshaun Watson. If a trade does happen, basically it's going to be the scene from Draft Day where the Texans are going to look at the Dolphins and say, "I want all my picks back. I want my future back, <laughs> and I want a player." That's going to be the fight <laughs> that you're going to hear with that. And it makes sense. It makes sense for the for the Dolphins to make that trade, give them their future back, because a generational talent like Deshaun Watson does not show up very often. And the fact that he is a tenth of a point ahead of Drew Brees for the best completion percentage no in NFL idea. history is ridiculous. No that idea. tells you his talent. So you got that's the Dolphins. You got so you have to deal with the Dolphins. We we ain't worry about the Jets, but then of course the Bills. So. Can the Patriots actually take away this from one of those two teams? I don't see them taking it from the Bills this year. But if Cam Newton's able to come back, now he's got this contract, he's able to come back with an offseason and these new players within this system and a tight end which is built perfectly for the way that Belichick's uh, and Josh McDaniels' offenses is made, there's a chance that they could fight for it. This is a 10-win team. I mean, they won seven, they went seven and nine last year with this roster. Most of the defense, like you said, opted out. Best players at least opted out. Mm-hmm. And then you were missing some of your um offensive players. He had no offensive weapons. Uh Julian Edelman missed half the season, it felt like, with injury. So, yes, they can. Will they? No. And we're talking about this season. I think that they will. I think that aggression. I think that aggression favors success immediately for coaches who previously have not been that aggressive. Okay. I can't remember an off season that they, when they had Tom Brady, that they were this aggressive. I know that they would sign players who would actually end up overperforming as a member of the Patriots. They drafted decently well, at least on defense, not so much skill position players on offense. Draft, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, occasionally you get a player like uh, a Randy Moss. That's kind of a once-in-a-generation sort of stealing from the Raiders who willingly gave him up. But I've never seen them be this aggressive in the offseason. So I think that that aggression in and of itself is going to help them along with the opt-outs, like I said. So it's going to be a lot of players. No one's seen this version of the New England Patriots. There's no tape on them. So nobody knows what to expect. So they're going to catch some early wins just off guard, even though – Belichick normally used September as an extended preseason. So I think that this will help him. This comes down to Cam Newton. If Cam, if Cam can be pre-COVID Cam from last year, then I think that you are looking at 10 or 11 wins. It was after that that things really started to tank with uh, Cam Newton. But in any franchise, it always comes down to the quarterback, at least on offense. I'll give you that, but this is a funny thing. So I was watching Colin Cowherd early today, and he mentioned this about Cam, which is really shocking that he actually kind of gave Cam a little props and praise. Mm. Post-COVID, yeah, Cam Cam was meh, but he actually was not really that bad. Those last nine games, he ended up with like nine touchdowns. Was that three, four, five, six? He had six passing touchdowns, six passing touchdowns with three interceptions, exactly. Mm. And... He he was completing over 60, 65% of his passes. Mm-hmm. That's not Cam Newton. Cam does not complete. He finished last season at 65.8%. That's his highest in his career. Mm-hmm. Cam's not all oh, has never been known for his accuracy or completing passes. He was doing it pretty well in this office, especially for a quarterback that we know that can't throw as deep. At least we felt like he couldn't throw as deep well, because of his shoulder. He was putting up some he they won seven games. 
that tells you a lot about how successful they could have been with Cam if they actually had an offseason. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that can be a bit misleading because I bet a lot of those were checkdowns. Primarily, though, because he didn't have his full offensive line intact and his receivers just couldn't get open. So he was forced to check down a lot to the running backs, to James White or to a tight end who whose name no one still knows to this day who their tight ends actually were last season. But um, I mean, you're right on that. But at the same time, he won't have to do that this season because Nelson Aguilar proved that he can play. Right. Johnu Smith can play, so he's not going to have to do that. He's got guys who can actually get the ball and turn it into something. So that's definitely going to help him as well. I'm with you on that, and I think the best part about that signing of Johnu Smith is this this basically implants them another tight end that works the best in the Belichick, Josh McDaniels offensive systems. Mm-hmm. They love tight ends. That's why they had uh, Gronk and they had Aaron Hernandez, mm-hmm. you know, you know, RIP. Yep. They they were built, they were the, the cornerstones of the offensive setup, the two tight end that can actually block and are fast. And like you mm-hmm. mentioned in our group text, you're going to miss that 88 speed <laughs> out of Jonu Smith Damn. playing on Madden. Yes. And the Patriots are really going to benefit from that. He's going to be able to stretch the field, similar to a Gronk, he's got the strength to catch, and he can actually block. He's underrated. He is completely underrated. Yo, he 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 just blew up last mm-hmm. season, and so that pickup to me is going to change. And yeah, you you're right. Most of his passes probably were checkdowns, but who was he going to throw a deep to? Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, so if he still checks down and they win 11 games, I'm not complaining. I mean, that was the one thing we all talked <laughs> yeah, about. Tom true. Brady was right. is that he was known for being you know captain checkdown, mm-hmm. but at the same time. He was still able to get it deep when needed. And if we can, if they can get him one burner, which may be John Smith, there's a chance that Cam, with an offseason, like, and I'm going to emphasize this, mm. with an offseason, with his players and this system, might show us another um, a, a, pre, a pre-injury uh, Cam Newton. Okay, let me ask you this question. So these free agent, receive, uh, these free agent signings that they've had today, I mean, this is for good money. I mean, they had $65 million in cap space. Roughly, yeah. Roughly. I think a little bit more, yeah. Do you think that these players signing with this team, do you think it's more about the money for them or is it more about them believing in the Patriot way, believing that they can win as a member of the New England Patriots? Because, and the reason why I ask that question is because last season, what it started to look like, especially the more successful Brady became, was that Brady was the Patriot way, that without him they cannot be successful. So there was sort of this, I know, this kind of, uh, this kind of negative aura necessarily around the Patriots at the end of the season. But do you think that teams that players still believe in this team that they can win as a, as a member of the Patriots, or is this just about the money for all these free agents? I think it is them wanting to be a part of the Patriot way. Look, this is, this is, here's the deal when it comes to the Patriot way. The Patriot way is walking in the door, doing your job, keeping your head down and focusing on the game. Mm. Not much clowning, not much BS, focusing on the little details. That's what's always made the Patriots successful. These signings are adding and, and bulking up their defense, which has been lackluster, you know what I'm saying, over mm. the last couple of years. Well, correction, over last year. They were they were lackluster last year. That's something that Belichick Belichick's a defensive guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he takes the offense to figure this stuff out, but whatever the offense does, the defense has still got to be dominant. Now adding pieces on offensive side, that Patriot way of going in and getting the job done, players want to be in a winning culture. And no matter contrary to popular belief and no much no matter how people clown the Patriot way, it's a winning culture. It has won championships. Yeah. It has produced six with Tom Brady, a quarterback, but it has produced championships as the as football is a team sport, the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. So because of that, that Patriot way, these players may be wanting to walk in and also not only make money because Belichick does pay specific positions yeah. that he's prepared to trade off, <laughs> <laughs> right. but I, I feel like them coming into their pay, this Patriot way is going to be big on just feeling like what it's like to win games. Mm-hmm. Being part of a winner and 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 winning is well, what it I feels like. It makes it easier not to question the culture because now you exactly. know you're in a culture of an organization that has won six championships. There you go, mm-hmm. and that's a simple that's a simple answer with it. They know they've won, so I, it's hard to question championships, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. 
Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com slash internet for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's been a while since we've actually done this, Jimmy, and I know that we're big on the Patriot way, so um, we're going to bring the uh, unfair way back and do us a... Seven dollar challenge. Jimmy's got questions. Which let me ask you this though, because you know how how it comes to Jay's got answers. Yeah, that was terrible. I, yeah, you did, I you did well. It's the seven dollar challenge. Been a few weeks. We're gonna rip the game. Every so, time. This week's seven dollar challenge will be focused on name that nickname. So Jimmy, I have seven teams that made the NCAA tournament. I want you to tell me who their mascot is. Okay. <laughs> so, of course, seven questions, three answers a pop. Let's see if you paid any attention to any team in college basketball ever. Okay. Feeling good? Uh, Yes. And no to your question. I have not paid attention to that. Let's go. All right. Yeah, you're paying attention to years past. So, let's see if you can remember some of these teams. All right. You ready? Yep. So, question number one. Texas Southern. They'll be playing against Mount St. Mary. What are the Texan Southerns? Are they the Raiders? The Tigers or the Lions? <laughs> I just love your face in this. This is beautiful. They are the Raiders. Incorrect. They are the Tigers. My second answer was Lions. All right. All right. Good start. Let's go. It's a good start, baby. So, well, the Texas Texas Southern Tigers will be playing against Mount St. Mary's. What is their nickname? Is it the Knights, the Cardinals, or the Mountaineers? Knights. Incorrect. Mm-hmm. It is the Mountaineers. All right. All right. Also not my second choice. It was not second. Wow. That's, uh, nope. that's wild. So, all right. This is a freebie. You better get this one right. Mm. Oral Roberts will be playing against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Are they the Golden Eagles, the Yellow Jackets, or the Golden Hurricanes? Golden Eagles. Correct. Look at you, Jimmy. Whatever. So proud of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, speaking of Drake's, we're going to go Drake versus Wichita State. What is Drake's nickname? Are they the Drizzy. Bandits, the Badgers, or the Bulldogs? <laughs> give, me, give me those again. Drake. Bandits, <laughs> Badgers, or Bulldogs? Uh, what was the second choice? Badgers. Badgers. Incorrect. Man. They were the Bulldogs. Nice. See, now I ruled them out. Mm, never mind. It doesn't matter. What <laughs> All right. Norfolk State. What are Norfolk State? Are they the Knights, the Spartans, or the Wolverines? What was the first choice? Knights. Knights. Incorrect. They are the Spartans. How can they be the Spartans? They're already Spartans. <laughs> Bro. Just like George, Georgia Bulldogs, right? So what's, what was Drake thinking? Were they first? Was Drake first? Like Norfolk State? So they got to the name first, but because they were so small, a bigger school came along and said, you know what? That's our name. We like that. That's our <laughs> it's name. my bike, punk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if you can, uh, you can save face here. We've got uh, Drexel. I know they're in Philadelphia. Is Drexel the Bobcats, the Dragons, or the Serpents? Dragons. Correct. Correct. Good job, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You actually got something right for a change. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and the last one. Grand Canyon University. Are they the Ramblers, the Antelopes, or the Canyons? <laughs> Grand Canyon Canyons. <laughs> Well, the first two again? The Ramblers or the Antelopes? They better. They better not be the Canyons. They are. I bet they are the Canyons. Give me that first choice one more time. Ramblers, Antelopes, or the Canyons? Canyons. Incorrect. <laughs> what was it? Antelopes. 
Also, not my second choice. <laughs> well, Jimmy, you did get two of them, though. I did get two. You got Drexel Dragons, which I'm actually surprised you got that one. Me I had it marked wrong, too. It's the dragons and not the Bobcats. I don't know why it's uh-huh. marked. But I am proud of you for doing that, sir. Good job. Thank you. That was a wonderful experience. You, you did. You did well. We should have won everyone. Yeah, I do, too. Now, are all these teams in the tournament? They, yes, they all made the tournament. Every single one of them. So, they all made it. Never mind. I'll ask you in a second. Okay, so speaking of which, let's talk about the NCAA tournament. Let's yes. go right into it. Um, the tournament had selection Sunday did hit us on this past Sunday. And so now we have all the teams. Now, the NCAA tournament is going to be done different this year. Uh, the, number one, they're going to be playing every game in Indianapolis. Okay. So that's where all the teams will be housed. It's going to be tournament there. And they're going to make the magic happen out of that. Basically, their own bubble. A bubble right. for people that aren't getting paid so we have Uh, the tournament going and these are who we're looking at as far as our number one seeds i feel like this this is the most important piece is the the overall number one seed is gonzaga then we have baylor Mm -hmm. michigan and illinois Mm -hmm. i'll give you the number twos as well houston alabama ohio state and iowa so jimmy did you watch any college basketball this year nope you sound exactly like me, and I'm gonna say this. <laughs> felt kind of weird about watching. I mean, I watch college football. Still felt weird about that, but they decided to play the game in a pandemic with kids. Like I said, aren't getting paid. But I'll get off that soapbox, even though it's a heel that I will die on. So don't get it twisted. I will die on paying these players um, as they the free market should allow it. So it's really weird. As now I'm making my bracket. Now this is the funny part. I ain't watched much, any college basketball this year. Now, I've, I've tuned in here and there in some games. I watched a little bit of Cade Cunningham because he's going to be the number one draft pick. Uh-huh. I watched a little bit of Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga, which Gonzaga, oh, my God, they're late there. This is not Gonzaga of years past, mm-hmm. which brings me to the point of disappointment about Gonzaga, as I will uh, steal this from Katie Nolan, as she would make the very great point, is that I typically pick Gonzaga to go a little deeper in the playoffs than most people, mm-hmm. an attorney, and that's usually what helps my bracket. Now, everyone's on Gonzaga. I don't have that option anymore. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to pick Gonzaga to win national championship because they are that good, and Jalen Suggs will be a top three pick in the mm-hmm. draft. So now I have to find another team to not only push deep into the playoffs, but i got to figure out where exactly is Gonzaga going to get upset so that my bracket looks better. Right. It don't look good. Ain't nowhere in here that looks good for them to get upset. I mean, really, the only place for them to get upset, it looks like to me is the Sweet 16. So if you're listening to this for some advice as far as selections, I'm going to tell you Virginia will knock off Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 this year. Is it going to happen? Hell, I don't know. I ain't watching you either one of the two play this year, but for the most part. But at the same time, we still got to find some sort of a good upset. So, Jimmy, do you have a single upset in your mind for this tournament? Where do you think Gonzaga's going to go? Let's just say that. Hmm. If I am to believe much of what I'm hearing about how good this Gonzaga team is, I think that this would actually be the year that they do finally go all the way, or at least make, have they made a championship game before? Yes, they played, what, two years ago? That was two years ago? Yeah. Okay. I think it was two years ago. They uh-huh. played the next championship. I think, okay, because let's look at it this way. And actually, I just got a little bit excited about this because it is in the bubble in that format. And there was something there was something to me that was magical about the NBA bubble. It was because like, yeah, it had that sort of like that tournament, the AAU tournament feel to it. But it was like basketball was the only focus. It was just it was just pure basketball. So I think that as exciting as the NCAA tournament is every year and the fans are a big part of that, I think that this can be. For all the people who didn't watch college basketball this year, this can be, in a way, though it's at the end of the season, an introduction to these teams and these players. So I think that there's some excitement, there's some intrigue in that, there's a novelty to it. So in that sense, I mean, I was going to watch it anyway, but I'm really going to be paying a lot more attention to it now for that reason, that hopefully some of the bubble magic of the NBA and what made it magical can do the exact same thing for this bubble. Uh, As far as an upset, upset, uh, yeah, before you go there, my apologies. I let me retract what I last stated. Yeah. They were in the championship game in twenty six in twenty seventeen. They lost to North Carolina okay. that year. So Gonzaga, it was Elite Eight last year. That's mm-hmm. uh, well, two years ago because they didn't have a preseason last year because yeah. we weren't in Vegas last year. Right. So outside of that, 
Yeah, that's exactly where they ended up. So they they are consistently Elite Eight, Sweet Sixteen ish range every single Here, year. If I'm going to pick an upset, I'm going to pick Baylor to be upset Ooh. because amongst these three teams. Now this is interesting. We know Gonzaga is a basketball school. Yep. We know Illinois. They have seemed more like a basketball school, or they've been more successful to me at basketball. They always than they have. have been in yes. football, even though their football team's still pretty good. Michigan is kind of neck and neck. Ultimately, it's a football school. But because of the Fab Five in the field of the program ever since then, especially bringing back Juwan Howard as the head coach, I think that there have been times where they're just as much of a basketball school as a football school. As a matter of fact, there are times when that basketball program is really, really good. Mm -hmm. So they're never too far away. As far as Baylor, they have generally been become more of a football school in the last 10 to 15 years. So it's almost like they're new to the party. So for that reason, I would say, especially since they lost, I don't know if these other teams won their conference championship game. I just know Baylor didn't because Texas did. So for that reason, I would pick Baylor as my upset. So when I do my bracket, they're going to be the ones to get upset probably pretty early in the tournament. So Ooh, that, that'd be really? my pick. What will be your pick? So upset-wise, I think you know, I think Illinois is going to be the one that's going to end up being upset. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to get upset. I'm, not, I'm doing this as a homer pick, 100% <laughs> homer pick. Oklahoma. I think I think t- Sweet 16, Illinois gets knocked off by Tennessee. Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee has had a very strong year overall. It's been, a, a, I mean, up and down, but for the most part, they're a team that's – I've watched some Tennessee games. Now, that's something I have taken time to do is watch uh-huh. my Vols play because at, at one point they were top five ranked for a bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm – I'm sold on my Vols doing something in the tourney, so that is one to keep an eye on is them in the Midwest bracket against Illinois. I can see them going a little bit further. Uh, the only problem that Tennessee is going to have is that they may match up with Oklahoma State, which might knock Tennessee off and Illinois. Mm-hmm. If, it, if there's any side that I feel like has the most upsets, that's them because Kay Cunningham, when it comes to the tournament, it's all about the best player, and I think he is the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. And And because of that, he may be able to do just enough, which we've seen in basketball. Sometimes you, there is enough. One player can do just enough to get you over the hump against everybody else. You know, I remember, and the example I always go to for this is Dwayne Wade, how he was, and Steph Curry to some degree, how they were relative unknowns going into the tournament and then just blew everyone away and converted that into being a top five pick. So, you know, we know Kay Cunningham. We know how good he is and how good he could potentially be. You mentioned Jalen Suggs for Gonzaga, right? Do you know of a player who could be that Steph Curry or that Dwayne Wade, especially under these circumstances where you don't have the pressure of the crowd around you to emerge to just tear up the tournament, whether the team wins a championship or not, and become a top five pick in the NBA? Is there anyone like that that who I should be looking out for, who I should pay attention to? That's the thing. Because I haven't watched enough of it, I don't know. Um, Or is there a school, a sleeper, that might make their way through the tournament. I've been, I've been hearing about uh, the Bonnies, St. Bonaventure, uh-huh. um, as well as Inola. Guess who their coach is? Uh, Bruce Pearl. Nope. Who? Rick Patino. That's right. That's he right. took them to the tourney this year. That's right. He did. Now, Inola's known for going to the tourney. I mean, they've gone to the tourney the last, what, four straight years. You said Inola? I, yeah. Iona. I'm sorry, Iona. Iona. Iona, not Inola. Iona. I know Inola. Not Iona. Iona. Gosh, I, Pronunciation, very terrible yeah. names. But no, they are the gals. They are uh, they are in the tournament. Uh, again, in Rick Pitino, he has made his valiant return after a few years in Greece and just mm-hmm. randomly dis- disappearing. Mm-hmm. He grinded his way now into the tournament, which is quite interesting that he will be back into the light. And someone's going to take a chance with him. I'm curious to who. Even funnier behind that is that his former team, Louisville, is not. In the tournament, they joined Duke and Kentucky, who did not make the tournament. (laughs) This is the first time since like the 60s or 70s or something like that. Uh, I think it's actually 74 that these two teams did not make the tournament. Now, you know, I think like a year or two after that, they met in the national championship. Mm. Um, Based upon history, I have to go do some more Googling on that. But it's fascinating to see that some of our Blue Bloods that we are used to, North Carolina being an 8 seed, looking bad, Kansas being a 5 seed, it's wild seeing um, teams or three seed. I'm sorry, Kansas is a three seed. Seeing some of the uh, powerhouses on the court not be ones and twos, mm-hmm. they're actually a lot lower. So interesting year. But I'll look into the draft, see if there's anybody that's worth us uh, paying attention to, mm-hmm. and uh, I may talk about a little bit of that on the solo later this week. But uh, yeah, so outside of that, make sure you check out. 
our merch. You can see the video. Got a shirt, unfair sports, expensive approach to the sports conversation. Got to build the brand. Build the brand with us by checking out our socials. You'll see a link on our Insta as well as our Facebook page, and it will be on the Twitters. RJ, so switching from the NCAA tournament to the NBA, uh, let's go to L.A. Uh, things are not looking too good in paradise, the city of angels, and I'm not talking about the L.A. Lakers. I am talking about the Los Angeles Clippers, who have fallen to fourth in the West, 25-15 and 15 record. Jay, they have dropped five of their last seven, six of their last nine, and 10 of their last 19 since last February 2nd. Yeah. February 2nd. So sounding off on this uh, after their last game last night, getting routed by the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson, uh, Kawhi Leonard expressed that he was very concerned about this team because of their lack of consistency and their lack of physicality, which is something that Tyron Lu, the head coach, also mentioned as well. So given how they're playing now, given that it's still February, but these, you know, they're a below 500 team over the last month and a half. Should should we be as concerned about the Clippers as Kawhi and Ty Lu are concerned about their team? Yes, we should. Sure, this team is quote unquote built for the playoffs, but the biggest problem you run into with this team is that they've never actually done anything in the playoffs so as built for the playoffs as they are they're not showing it we've never well we've never seen it we've never seen them close out and to be honest as far as the playoffs go right now based upon what their standings they're you said fourth correct correct for now if they're fourth right now guess who they match up against the fifth seed who is that the, the Denver, Denver Nuggets, Nuggets. Yes. again, <laughs> and that's one team they do not want to see again, nope. especially the way Jokic is playing. I was watching Highly Questionable earlier today, and Bomani Jones had mentioned, based upon the advanced metrics, Nikolai Jokic is playing like, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, mm-hmm. like Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like he's putting up some ridiculous stats as far as the advanced stuff, and he's affecting the game in so many ways that the Clippers won't have a chance of beating them. They will lose that game, that series in five. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they shouldn't have lost last year, and they lost in seven. But the way that he's playing, they will lose in five. And so I have no faith in the Clippers if they do match up with the Nuggets. They need to find a way to get to the, either the three seed or the six seed and play against either the – actually, they need to play against either the Blazers <laughs> or first round going and just give us them versus the Lakers and call it a day. That's about all they got going for themselves right. because they're not going to surpass Utah. They're not going to surpass Phoenix, which is balling. Mm-hmm. CP3 is the difference maker. Uh, so, But overall, yeah, Kawhi should be concerned. Kawhi is still, of course, hurt. We don't know what he's going to look like long term, especially once he hit the playoffs. Paul George is Paul George. I mean, playoff P never shows up in the playoffs as uh, ever since he left Indiana. So... Mm. I think that their locker room issues are probably going to be something that's going to bleed over into the playoffs. I'm just hoping that Tyron Luke can write this shit beforehand. But as Kawhi mentioned, consistency is their problem. And if they can't get consistent, they're not beating the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Jay, they have three major problems. Okay. Which they mentioned. Two of them, I'm not sure, can be fixed in time enough to make a playoff run. One of them potentially might be able to be fixed, but it may not matter at that point. So they mentioned physicality as far as what the team lacks consistency in. And in order for them to become a more physical team, they're going to need more physical players. So when you think about it, they need a player, they need a bruiser like Andre Drummond, probably worse than the Lakers do right now. But they're going to be competing for his services because he is sought after. Outside of bringing in new players, this team overnight or over a month is not going to become more physical because they don't play that way. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they're not going to become more physical. Ibaka's not going to become more physical. That's just not going to happen. So if they lack consistency in that, er- that area, it's not going to be fixed unless you bring in a player who's known for physicality. I mean, Zubak is not going to turn into Charles Oakley overnight, right? So that's going to continue to be a huge problem, which means that if physicality is a problem, it means they're getting bullied underneath. So that's not going to change. Second, who is the leader of this team? It can be Tyron Lue. It could be, but it's not because... He's only there because Kawhi and Paul George want him there. 
and this is his, he's a rookie head coach. Obviously, Paul George tried to be the leader of this team by being more vocal, and he said the wrong things. So he can't be the leader of this team. Ooh, Kawhi yeah. doesn't talk. He can't be the leader of this team. You would say Patrick Beverly, but on how many teams is the, is the third? Or, I don't even know. If he's, he's probably the fourth or fifth best, best player on this team. He can't be the leader. So they have this leadership void that I don't know how they're going to feel it. But you have to have that going into the playoffs. You need it right now because teams that have strong leadership do not go through stretches like this. There may be a team who loses three in a row or three out of four. The Nets have done that this season. The Lakers have done that this season. But ultimately, you write the ship in part because the leader makes everybody step up their game or else. They don't have that. Lastly, metrics-wise, they're one of the worst teams in crunch time, which I believe actually is a carryover from the bubble, where when the game was on the line the last three or four minutes, especially in the fourth, they became a completely different team that could not get the job done. That might be able to be fixed. That may be more scheme. That may be more, I don't know, maybe shifting the ball to different players. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's confidence. Crunch time is all about confidence. Can you believe when the pressure is on that you can make the play? So I think a big part of that is coaching. So those three things combined, the physicality, the leadership, and the crunch time issues makes me very concerned about this team and very concerned about the fact that I picked them to win the championship and they may not get out of the first round against the Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, are you still going to continue to stick to that I'm going to stick pick. to it, but I'm not confident at all. I mean, this was perfect for them. The West was there for the taking because the Lakers aren't what they were last season because right. of injury and because they have – coming into the season off of such little rest, them in the Miami Heat. Right. So it was there for the taking. I know that the Suns are much better with CP3. I know the Nuggets were the ones who put them out last season, and they really haven't lost much. But this was their year to be that top one, top two seed, which they were for a stretch. But what they're going through right now, this isn't nothing. If this was just four or five games, and then they were able to turn it around after that, nobody remembers this. Yeah. But 10 out of 19 since early February, that's ridiculous for a team with two All-Stars. It, it really is, and they both played for the most part in those games. I think Kawhi yes. has set out some of the back-to-backs, in which, if, I, if I'm correct, the, some of the back-to-backs that he set out, they've actually won those games. So having <laughs> both him and Paul George on the court has not really been as successful as we expected. And this mm-hmm. is kind of something I mentioned. Paul George has signed that extension. He is locked in with that team. Right. That does not mean he is going to be locked in with that team. It makes it even easier for them to trade him if they need to. He's locked in for a few more years. So with that, if they feel like they need to go after a bigger name player, a big name player, and they need to just swap him around and get us and, and give Kawhi Leonard some help and give some assurance to Kawhi Leonard that they are focused on winning today. Mm-hmm. Paul George is gone. Like, as much as PG wants to be the man and be the guy that they will want to rally around with him and Kawhi, there's a great chance that they will trade Paul George and pick up someone else. I don't know who they could go get to help. They need another wing that can score consistently and play defense, which Paul George still can do both for the most part, but they need someone another level up, and I don't know who that next level up could be. Would Victor Oladipo qualify as that kind of a player? I don't think he would be that. I don't think you replace Paul George with Victor Oladipo. I think you trade for Victor Oladipo and add him. him. Well, see, here's the issue you also run into with the Clippers. What assets do they have to trade? Oh, nothing. Exactly. They've given everything away to Oklahoma City, and there there are rumors that uh, the Clippers are looking at George Hill from Oklahoma City, but I'm trying to ask, I'm asking the questions. What the hell do you give up? To do what with? They, They need another guard. Give him a real point guard. He hasn't played in like two months. Yeah, because he had re- he had surgery on his thumb. I actually watched him yesterday when I was at the uh, yeah. at the arena working the um, the Grizzlies game. I watched him out there. He was getting his workout in, yeah. but you saw the cast and all the wrappings around that wrist. So the question you have to ask yourself is: Is, is he going to be ready to even play in the next? Okay, here is a name for you again. And this is still um, marred by the issue that they have no assets. But you know, one player who's out there on the block is Toronto's Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I can see that. Now, so someone like him, I think he would be perfect because that solves your leadership issue because he is a leader. Yeah. He's a champion. Kawhi won a championship with him in Toronto. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, as small as he is, he is a very physical player. He's, he's got that Philadelphia mentality mm-hmm. where he's from. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody like him, as funny as it sounds, could be perfect. I don't think that they can get him because they have nothing to give up for. That's him. what I was going to ask. The but question like is, that. is who do you give up to get him? You don't have any assets on your team to give. And you're pretty high up there on the cap, so there's no way you you have the money. Okay, what if you start with, you give him Lou Williams. How about Lou Williams? Give him Serge Ibaka back. 
in not exchange money. for Kyle Lowry. Not enough money. Or, okay, we'll add another couple of players aside because I think Toronto wants to give the ball to Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. And Serge Ibaka, they know him very well because he won a championship there. So maybe something like that might be enough to entice him. That hurts your bench, but it might solve some of your issues that you're having right now with your starting five. Yeah, looking at the comparisons on this, so Kyle Lowry makes $30 million. Okay. <laughs> right. Never mind. So your trade, if you, you're you trying to get this man, you have to Doesn't either work. send Patrick Beverly with Lou Williams and Serge Ibaka and then probably Marcus uh, Moore Sr. <laughs> also. You can't do that's that. <laughs> that's just under thirty million. That's about no, no, that's thirty million. No, no, actually, you know what? You can do it. Patrick Beverly, Sergi Baca, and Lou Williams. I do it. Kyle I'm doing. I'm in. Give that's the me. only trade you got that's available to get a player. But then at that, you just sacrificed your bench. You need Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. You need someone that can score mm-hmm. off the bench. You mm-hmm. can't have all three of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and. and Kyle Lowry on the and court. And we let Landry, Landry Shamit go to Brooklyn, right? Exactly. I mean, you got Luke Kennard. So right. Is there any way to fix this then? I'm trying to think of things that they can do. If they watch the show, that might help them to fix this. But <laughs> is there anything viable that they can do to fix this? You got to think about what players are going to be available in free agency. I mean, honestly, one, they could <laughs> try to go after like LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. He'll be available sometime soon. And San Antonio's trying to, well, See, it's only trying to trade him. Yeah, there's yeah. no way they're going to trade him. They're going to have to find, figure out a buyout and just let the dude walk. <laughs> uh, Andre Drummond is, of course, another piece that you uh-huh. could you could consider. I don't know. It looks like they, they don't have their – they do have some trade exceptions, so they could suck in some money if they really need to. Okay. So that's four, five, six. Looks like about seven million mm-hmm. roughly in trade exceptions, so they can receive a whole yeah. bunch of money. They've got to make a move. Ballmer is a very aggressive owner. Yeah, he's got money. He's and he knows bill. that the team that he has right now is not good enough to be – they're not good enough to beat the Lakers, the Nuggets, and probably the Suns either. Or the Jazz. Or the Jazz. Yeah, so, yeah, they're going to have to add some pieces. I, and that's the thing. I don't know what it is. I would say, I mean, it would be interesting for them to go down to, the, uh, to New Orleans and get Lonzo Ball because he is having a breakout season. He is having he's the good. season he's we were player. hoping – he would have even See, before. But that doesn't solve their physicality or their leadership issue. Well, no. The leadership issue has to. is going to fall on Ty Lue. That's why you hire a guy like Ty Lue. You mm-hmm. get him to be your leader because Kawhi Leonard is so silent. He's more of a – the relationship between Ty Lue and Kawhi Leonard needs to be the same way it was with Pop and Tim Duncan. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi Leonard understands that. He should understand that. Ty Lue should be just yelling at everybody. And Kawhi should be receiving – being yelled at and then just continue to play. Mm-hmm. He knows that that is more of an example to certain players than others. Marcus Morris is kind of a mouthy guy. He should be able to rally the troops as well. But, I mean, the biggest issue is really is Paul George and accountability. I mean, he's the reason why a lot of players complain. So, we'll see what they do, but I don't see that there's anything that can help them out. I think we're done. So, <sighs> Jimmy. Any room floor we got? Any room floor. Always some good stuff that didn't make it into the show. Yeah, what didn't make it? All right, so first, uh, Jay, this will make you happy. Rob Gronkowski, old Gronk. Gronk hungry. Four-time Super Bowl winning tight end Gronk is coming back to stick with the band, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Love it. It was announced today. You love it. They used him brilliantly last season in terms of moderating his snaps. He was fresh for the playoffs, came up big. He looked unguardable in the Super Bowl. Exactly. Right. That's what you so, do with Gronk, especially when you have the Cameron Braid and you had O.J. Howard before he got uh, hurt. You got a slew of tight ends. There yeah. Is, yeah, so there was no reason not to bring him back and no reason for him not to want to come back. Probably had the time of his life winning oh, a yeah. championship, but down there in Tampa, sunny weather, got your boy Brady. I mean, perfect situation for Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, baby. All right, so next, uh, Jay, did you see that dunk, that number one pick, Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves? Another had one. Had on another one. On the Blazers last night. Did you see that? I did see that. And he is the flying example of why you won't have stars in the dunk contest. He he will not be in the dunk contest. He doesn't have to be. He's already a star. We need him in the dunk contest. We need that star in the dunk contest. We desperately need him in the dunk contest. But he's not going to do it. He has no reason to. He has ascended. He well, correction. He's not a star yet, but he's ascending into that level to where we've seen him dunk on people to the point that people are gonna be like, "Oh, we want my dunk contest." He's gonna be like, "Why would I waste my time doing that?" <laughs> <laughs> 
And despite that, the Minnesota Timberwolves still can't seem to not be at the bottom of the West. I just don't understand that. Okay, Cunningham in a, in a Wolves jersey. It's ah. coming. It's coming. I, it's didn't coming. Want to, I didn't want to admit it, but it's happening. It's happening, baby. What All else? Right, lastly, okay, so milestones. James Harden of the Brooklyn Nets passed Larry Bird on the all-time scoring list for number 34 all-time in Saturday's 100-95 win versus the Detroit Pistons. So, Jay, my question to you is really two questions. Um, actually, no, he's 22 points away from passing Gary Payton, so he'll probably do that in his next game, which I think is tonight, yep. uh, Monday night. How close will he get to top 10 or top 5 all-time scoring? He'll hit top 10. He'll hit top 10 mm-hmm. um, if he leaves Brooklyn in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. He'll 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 finish top ten if he leaves Brooklyn because the thing about it is, is here in Brooklyn he's not going to average thirty like he normally does. Yes. So that's going to slow down that pace. But I can see him hitting top ten. But then again, he wouldn't leave. He's not going anywhere, right? So long as KD and Kyrie are there, he's not going anywhere. So that's at least for obviously the rest of this season, next season, and maybe even the season after that. Now, no contracts, how they align and such will play a part in that. But I can see him being there at least for including this season, the next three seasons. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we appreciate you joining us as usual here on Unfair. Please go wherever podcasts are downloaded and listen to and hit us up with a review. Rate, review, give us five stars. You think we deserve it? And give us five anyway. Gifted. And so for Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing your thing on the back end side. And for my co-host, Jimmy, we got merch. Mentioning it again, we got merch. Please go ahead and order a shirt. We got it on all social medias. The link is going to be through a Teespring. You can order it. Show the support. Let's grow the brand. Let's get the people going. We're going to make sure that Unfair becomes a staple in your household. So I'll have a couple of episodes this week. I think I'm going to drop one Wednesday and Friday as I'm on vacation. And nothing else to do. So I'm going to talk about a lot of the stuff I want to talk about before. I'll make the magic happen for you all. So with that. We will chop it up with you all in a few days. Peace. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.